right. So, yeah, we are continuing the series uh, through Advent, um, looking at hope, peace, joy, and love leading up into Christmas. And if you are here last week, um, we handed out these little Advent devotions. So if you weren't here and would like one, there's still a fair few available. They're out on the desk outside. Um, and they just have a little Bible verse to read each day and some lines to um, journal or write a prayer as just a way to kind of slow down and prepare our hearts um, coming into Christmas. And then we're using these videos from the Bible Project as well to kind of frame and then um, I'm just going to unpack it a little bit more. But yeah, let's pray and then um, yeah, we're just going to talk about peace this morning. So Father, thank you for this promise. Thank you as we come to Christmas that we celebrate the announcement of peace. Uh, Jesus, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you uh, for your grace and your love. Um, and what you're working in our lives, in our communities, and in our world. And even just today, God, would you speak um, to us by your word and by your spirit into our hearts um, and as the church, Lord, and um, just give us your vision and, and your perspective and, and your heart and just have your way in this time. We just pray in your name. Amen. So what I want to kind of just unpack that just a little bit further and try and keep it pretty simple um, and... and um, just take that one idea that we often think of peace as normally just kind of like the avoidance of conflict. Um, peace kind of means that just things are okay, or there's, they're peaceful, there's no problems, there's no, there's no issues. Um, we kind of even use words like keep the peace, like we just don't want any problems, don't want conflict, um, just kind of want to avoid difficulty, and that, that's a vision of, of peace. Or maybe a vision of peace is... A nice calm sea with a cup of tea, and that's, that's a nice place of peace. And that's kind of often how we kind of use the word even. We use the word again to sort of mean that things are calm, or things are relaxing, or peaceful. And again, that's not a wrong use of the word, but maybe is a bit reduced from the fullness of the biblical word, which they were talking about in that video, is, is not just the absence of conflict, it's not just calmness and quietness, but is actually this idea of shalom or wholeness or completion. And sometimes when we see the word peace or the promise of peace, we might just think it's, it's not the bad rather than it as this fullness of promise of good. Uh, so I want to just unpack a few different ways that we see this in the Bible and, and try to let's ha- have a bit of a mindset flip or, or shift in, in the fullness of the promise of peace. Because even maybe with God, we, we know that there's the promise that we now have peace with God. But sometimes we might think that that just means that we sort of know that the story of the Bible and, and that, that we sin and that we're broken and that we, we, we have broken relationship with God. And sometimes we hear the good news that, that there's forgiveness. And sometimes that might just sound like, okay, so God's not upset at me anymore. God, God's not angry at me anymore. Or he's not going to punish me anymore. Like, like it's just the removal of the negative rather than the fullness of the positive. That it's not just that there's peace with God in the sense of God's not upset, but there's actually full acceptance and wholeness with God is what this idea of peace means. You see this in Romans 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It's not just peace with God in the sense that God's not upset or God's not angry or we can kind of just, God's, God's over there and we're over here and it's all good. Like, it, it's not that. It's this full access, this full acceptance, this, this love and wholeness of relationship with God again, this idea of peace and shalom. Peace with God could almost be translated 
wholeness of restored relationship to God. There's a, there's a greater depth um, and abundance in that promise of peace, not just the removal of the negative, but a giving of the positive. Um, there's this, um, when, when Jesus was baptized, um, God speaks, Father, the Father speaks over him, says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And we might sort of look at our lives and we think, well, God couldn't really say that about us. Like, we've got maybe some problems or we know our past, we've got our issues. But the good news that we just read, that, that we're justified, that God says we're in the right, he includes us in his family, he sees us as his son, and he actually makes the same declaration over us, that he's pleased with us. Not because we've got it all together, not because we've figured it all out, but because of Jesus. Uh, Tom Wright puts it this way, we believe that, amazingly considering what God knows about us, we are now and forever part of the family to every member of which God says what he said to Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. It's not just God's not upset and there's like forgiveness and God just covers over. It's not. It's, it's full acceptance into his family and a declaration that with you, I'm well pleased. You're my son. You're my daughter. There's this wholeness of relationship and connection with God because of Jesus, because of the cross. In a similar way, we might sort of think about when we're having peace with other people, we might sort of think, well, we just need to have peace. We need to not have conflict. We don't want to fight with people. We don't want to upset people. We don't want to have breakdown in our relationships. We just want to have peace. And again, we kind of might think of that as just no fighting. Don't have conflict. Don't have issues. Just, just make sure everyone's happy. Just, just keep it. But sometimes we can be like that, but there's actually there are issues, and we just don't want to address them, and there's actually not wholeness. There might be peace on the surface, but there's not this deep connection and, and, and intimacy and, and, and closeness and unity. But the good news of peace, again, is not just wholeness and peace with God, but with each other. And even with people that it just would seem impossible that they could be united and together. There's this story in, in the New Testament, a big theme in the New Testament, is that in the, before Jesus, um, Israel was God's people. If people wanted to join God's people, they, had, they, could, they could if they were a Gentile, but they needed to become an Israelite. But in the New Testament, Jews and Gentiles are together, and they're united. And before, they were opposed to each other. There was this big barrier, there was this big separation. But now, because of the cross, they're united. Um, Paul talks about this in Ephesians, about Jesus. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, that's Jews and Gentiles, two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. These two very different groups united one new humanity, making peace in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. It's peace to Gentiles far away, peace to Jews that are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. These two groups that seem like they could never get along or be together because of Jesus are united. And God's vision, God's heart, is that people would be one, that his church would be diverse, that there would be differences, there would be people who should not get along and not be together that are united in love because of him. And actually, not in a sense of just keeping the peace, but in the sense of a wholeness, of a unity, of a connection together.
Again, this guy, Ken Sand, says, this peace, which is often referred to as unity, is not simply the absence of conflict and strife. Unity is the presence of genuine harmony, understanding, and goodwill between people. Not just things that kind of under the surface and it seems good on the, on, the, on the outside, but actually underneath there's not this connection and wholeness. That this peace, a promise of peace, is actually wholeness and connection. Again, in Philippians 2, this idea that actually because of what we receive from Jesus, we can share that with each other. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Again, it's all through, all through the Bible, this idea that we love God and we express our love for God through love to each other. We have wholeness with God, and that overflows to wholeness and connection and unity with each other. Um, there's even this cool, um, just, I just thought of this then, just this week, we've been having prayer times in the morning, and one of the worship leaders was sort of praying about unity, and she just had this image of God as a father um, reaching down and picking up his children. And as he picks us up and draws us to himself, it actually draws us together because we're in his hands. And it's just this cool picture of coming near to God actually restores relationship and, and connection together with others. So it's not just keep the peace on the surface, but actually making peace and unity in relationships with each other. In the same way, we might kind of think of that in inner peace. We sort of think, uh, well, if, if I want to feel peace, I need to get to the nice river. I need to get to the lake. Um, I love going down to Petrie, North Pine River at Petrie and just walking by the river and there's just something about being there that's actually really peaceful. But we might be tempted to think, well, the only way to have peace is to get there. Or the only way to have peace is to make sure all the problems are fixed. Or the only way to have peace is to get to another side of the world where all these issues aren't there. Uh, and, and kind of think everything has to be right or all the work has to be done or everything has to be in place and then we can have peace. But this biblical idea of even inner peace... Or, or stability or wholeness is actually in the midst of problems and difficulty, we can actually have a wholeness and peace within. So this verse, again from Paul in Philippians, said, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's really interesting, this idea of peace relating to wholeness and completion, because the word used here for anxiety actually means to be apart or actually means, in a sense, to be divided or to be split. And when you're anxious, that can kind of be what it is. You're kind of back and forth between two things, or you're sort of worried. There's, there's not this integration and wholeness. It's actually being divided or distracted. Um, but actually, if we come to God with our anxiety in prayer and thankfulness and connection with him, there's this promise that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And again, this is a promise Paul's giving to a church with a whole lot of problems and a whole lot of issues. It's not, it's not that everything's fine and everything's good. That there's, there's things that they could legitimately be anxious about, but he says, don't be anxious. Come to God in prayer. The peace of God can guard your hearts and minds in the midst of the pain and the difficulty of the world. There's actually this, this promise of peace and shalom is wholeness within ourselves. Even when things are not all right, but actually we're connected to God, we're seeking good relationships with others, we have this integration of life that's not divided or anxious. John Mark Comer says it this way, the peace of God we are craving, grasping for, will show up in you, over you, around you, 
even as the winds of life are swirling around you like a tornado. It will guard you like a sentry, keeping you safe, not from suffering, but from anxiety, and in doing so from depression. Paul uses that word that it's a guarding your hearts and minds with God's peace. It's like if your mind is guarded with God's peace, it's, 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 there's a wholeness, there's a focus. Whereas when it's anxious and it's distracted, eventually that catches up and can lead to depression. And, and, and that, that can be complex and it's not as simple as that. But, um, but there's this sense of actually peace in our mind can lead to peace in our emotions and, and wholeness together. So this promise is wholeness with God, wholeness with each other, wholeness within ourselves. And what we're kind of doing this Advent is, is we're looking forward and preparing ourselves for Christmas which is, in a sense, also looking back to Jesus' first coming. And when Jesus came, he was announced as, as this good news of peace. And we see that that's actually happened. But the cool thing about Advent is what we're doing is we're celebrating Jesus' first coming, but, and then we're, we're practicing looking forward by then looking forward to his second coming and seeing that we have these fulfillments of promises now, but that ultimately they won't be fully realized until he returns. And actually, we're positioning ourselves as people who wait. Like we said last week, we wait in hope. We wait for his return. That that's actually when, that's the day when it will be all good. And that's the day when we, this, this promise of peace will be fully realized. Um, as this, this verse that we often look at at Christmas says, For unto us the child is born, to us the son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the promise of Jesus. It goes on to say, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is about a ruler who will reign forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is then looking to that day when Jesus comes and he sets up his kingdom on earth, and heaven and earth are united, and actually he rules with justice and peace. And we actually see there's wholeness with all things forever. That that's actually the ultimate goal. That God, is, this is not just a personal peace. It is a personal peace. But ultimately God's heart is that he will restore all things. That he'll bring peace on earth completely. And then that we will live in that with him forever. And that's, that's the hope. Uh, he says this in Colossians, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That actually God's heart is that one day he will come and he will restore, and actually we wait and look for that day. And this sounds awesome. And... It probably may not really look like that at the moment, though. Like, if you think about our lives and maybe the wholeness, they might be feeling like, ah, actually, that doesn't seem to line up. Or, or we look at our world and think about maybe even our community or think about the globe and think about this idea of peace over all things forever. Like, it just can seem so far from that. Um, there's so much brokenness. There's so much division. There's so much anxiety. There's so much disconnection. But God is at work. And he's a God who doesn't kind of just stand back and just keep the peace or just sort of stand back and say, 
it's all good or stand back and not want to enter into the pain or the suffering or the issues. But he's actually a God who, in order to bring peace, enters into the difficulty, enters into the conflict, enters into the pain. And it's actually only because of the cross, it's only because of what Jesus has done, that actually this, this ultimate vision of peace will happen. It says this in Hebrews. Um, can you just click on to the next one, Wendy? I think that should come up. There we go. Now may the God of peace, he's a God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You may look at this, this world now and sort of think peace it, that sounds really hard. Like that sounds like a lot of work. That sounds really difficult. In fact, it's actually impossible. But we read that what's impossible with man is possible with God. And that actually it's impossible for someone to come back from the dead, but God raised Jesus. And Jesus is alive. And he's working. And he's reconciling people. And we even just heard from Nick and Cassie, people who are finding wholeness with God and connection with others. And God's at work in the world in often hidden ways in often small ways. And he actually wants to work through us. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That we actually represent Jesus and then go into our world as peacemakers who enter into difficulty and pain and seek to bring peace. And, and looking ultimately to that day when he will come and that full realization, that full hope, that one day we will live in a world of complete peace and unity with Jesus as king, that's going to be awesome. And so we're going to um, respond today with communion. And, and as we do that each week, we center our lives on the story of, of Jesus, on his death, on his burial, on his resurrection, on his return, and say that that's actually the hope of the world. If we want world peace, it's only because of Jesus. And it's not just a dream or a wish. It's a reality. It's, it's going to happen. We have, we have it to look forward to. We come back again and again to center on that story um, so we're going to respond with communion. Um, I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll take and, and thank God for this gift of wholeness and peace and, and come again to, to following him again this week. And if we could have some people who would be willing to come and help um, distribute, that would be great just, just while I pray. So Father, just thank you um, yeah, that you are a God who is united in perfect unity and wholeness. Um, thank you, God, that for your compassion to us, uh, in that you restore relationship to us, God, between individuals in conflict and groups in conflict, God, that you restore inward wholeness to us, God, you are ultimately restoring all things and you call us to be a part of it and we just thank you that you would give your son to do that, thank you that you give us your spirit to grow in that and we just ask that you would even just be at work in us as we just remember and eat together today, God. So we just thank you, Jesus, for your gift and for your love and your promise. And we just pray this in your name. Amen.